Hello and welcome to the business community with me Tracy Jones and me Heather Noble and this week I can't even remember why we're talking about what we're talking about can you enlighten me Tracy? Yeah it's your fault Heather you picked it. What did I pick? What did I, was it an article? <laughs> it was a link to a page on the gov.uk website all about anti-competitive activity and I thought wow Heather's on one here. <laughs> So, yeah, okay, because actually, fair dues, when I, when I went to the link, there's a lot of really useful information there, and it did make me think about some um, impacts on, on businesses I've been in, and also in certain industry sectors I've worked in, where you go, oh, that's interesting. What about, why did you pick it, or have you completely forgotten? Well, no, I can't, I, it obviously caught my eye, um, and and now that we've sort of researched it in a bit more detail... Uh, it's it is fascinating. Uh, essentially, we're talking about competition law and cartels, and I was amazed to find some of the things that are actually illegal. Which when which when you think about it, it's it's bleeding obvious. Yeah. But you, oh, so what surprised you then? Uh, just that. I don't know. I think it's that, you know, a lot of businesses might be quite naive about, you know, what you can and can't do in terms of joining forces with other businesses in the same sector. Yeah. And then trying to fix the price, trying to um, limit the price, the the prices that your your customers can can sell for. Um, you know, really trying to drive the market. You're of an age where you'll remember the whole oil price thing from many years ago and where it, that just seemed like standard practice fixing the price of a yeah, barrel of oil. and absolutely but I, I don't know if it's my naivety but I d- it didn't occur to me that the same thing could apply to uh, Fender guitars or um, laundry detergent or TV uh, TVs or you know it, it yeah, okay. So, I sort of thought, yeah, okay, you know, the On massive, a smaller scale. Yeah, on yeah. a smaller scale. And that it's actually, um, when you get into competition law, this isn't just about the big boys, it's about anybody, really. Yeah. You only really see the stories for the big boys, yeah. don't you? And I think it first came on my radar when I was working in the plastic industry. And okay. um, so the, the thing that makes your head go a little bit funny is you've got industry bodies, haven't you? And, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's an industry body for virtually every manufacturing sector, isn't there? And surely being a member of that industry body and then meeting up with people who are in that same industry, surely you're on the edge of some anti-competitive practice, aren't you? So that's sort of where yes. it first came into my awareness many years ago when I was working in the plastics industry and, you, you know, sort of... You're thinking, okay, where where do you draw the line here, between industry bodies working together, for the for the good of the sector and it becoming anti-competitive? Yeah, absolutely. And, and but again, I think it's that whole big, you know, the big scale stuff. The um, you know the monopoly. You know, we we hear a lot about phone companies. Yeah. You know, and how you know. If one wants to take another over, then they'll have too much market share. It's and been referred that. to the Monopolies and Mergers Commission. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then I found um, I found a little story that just on the on the article on the the uh, gov website, 
uh, and it, it was about um, Spire Healthcare. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So this is where, for me, I started thinking, oh crikey, okay, so this is this is actually quite a sm has the potential to be quite a small thing. So basically, they they were fined um, uh, a huge amount of money because, and what I like about this is they said, right, well, what did they do? So the consultants were independent, self-employed, set their own prices for self-pay, okay? Aspire employee, um, after they'd been at a, a lot of Aspire people had been at a dinner, allegedly, allegedly um, emailed all the consultant ophthalmologists suggesting that the fee for their self-paying patients should be fixed at £200. Okay, that, I can see where that's the problem. Okay. Yeah. But this is, you know, when you think of 200 quid, you know, this feels quite small to me. Um, and the reason was that this will simplify the pricing structure across all consultants. Okay, so you can imagine some self-employed consultants in any field, say, for example, a group of self-employed coaches yeah, getting yeah. together for... Um, networking meetings yeah. and then agreeing between them that the hourly price they would charge for coaching is x yeah and that's it's illegal yeah yeah but it, it how many people i certainly didn't know that it, or it didn't occur to me that it would apply yeah. on on those base levels well this might um, might help people to focus their attention on this because if you're involved in anti-competitive activity the um the fine you could be levied is ten percent of your worldwide turnover mm. and additional for damages, and then you can be fined or sent to prison for up to five years if you're found guilty of being involved in cartel activity, and company directors can be disqualified from being a director for up to fifteen years. So it's quite important yeah. that you do go and take a look at this. Yeah. Oh, the thing, the word cartel, I don't know about anybody Yeah, else. it sounds like OPEC, doesn't it? it? Yeah, or drugs. <laughs> yeah, drug cartels. Do you know, yeah, yeah. you know, so there's economic cartels and then there are, you know, then there are like drug cartels, illegal cartels. And of course, you know, they might... sound big and bad, doesn't it? It yeah. just, yeah, it does. And that's why... It's not your average coach um, no. having a coffee with a, another coach no. going, yeah, I charge... No. 60 pounds an hour yeah i no. will too <laughs> no absolutely the spire themselves were charged 1.2 find 1.2 million and the six consultants that took part in this although one of them said he wasn't he didn't want to play ball um between them they paid 13,000 pounds they were given a a, a more lenient um fine because they admitted what they'd done and they cooperated with the cma okay well just looking up on the gov.uk website, they do define what a cartel is, and it is a lot smaller than you might imagine. It's two or more businesses agreeing not to compete with each other. It's all you need. I know. That's just... Just agreeing not to compete, and then that's a cartel. Um, so it, it can apply to businesses of any size, it states in there, and it doesn't have to be in writing for it to be illegal. So it can be an informal agreement, a gentleman's agreement, um, and even if, now this is quite important, the agreement isn't carried out. So you don't act on it, but you've made a, can you imagine that? You've Just made a gentleman's agreement, um, an informal agreement, and uh, you've agreed not to compete with each other. That's um, a cartel, I'm afraid. And where that, that you know, 
beyond that then it's having that agreement and then perhaps um bidding for work you know it's so both of you bidding so it's it's competitive tender although you're both bidding at the same level yeah another interesting thing to be aware of is also falling under um this bracket is agreeing with another business that you won't poach clients in their area okay. so that you won't approach each other's um customers in that market or compete with their um, particular location for their customers is that allowed no okay so then so then how does that work if you have a franchised business that has a postcoded area that you are responsible for you've bought sy11 postcode which means that you can't go over the border into ll12 or whatever it is at wrexham area is that not allowed well, according to this now, it says you cannot agree with another business to share markets or customers. You'll be breaking competition law if you agree with another business not to approach each other's customers and not to compete with them for customers, for example, in specific locations. I don't know how you get around it with a franchise agreement. Uh, the other thing that's really interesting, I just noticed underneath here, is uh, according to this um, website, so it's gov.uk yeah. they should know credible website yep yeah, they're setting the laws aren't mm. they you cannot share information with other businesses that might reduce competition between you for example prices production your suppliers customers or contracts and the markets you sell to or plan to sell to including and this is quite important information through a third party for example a trade association so be careful what information you share as well Wow. You look dumbfounded. I, I totally am. I totally am. I, I found an infographic um, where um, they'd spoken to uh, 1,200 businesses in Northern Ireland. Um, it, it's a gov.uk um, initiative uh, carried out by the Competition and Markets Authority. And some of the stats are quite interesting. So 75% thought that com competition law provides a level playing field. Okay. 60% knew that price fixing could lead to um, imprisonment. 41% didn't know attending a meeting where rivals agree prices is illegal. Well, I'm in that, I was in that 41%. Okay. 48% thought it was allowed, bid rigging was allowed or, or, or didn't really know. And then the, the other biggie, when I was talking about um, Fender guitars and then Roland drum kits. Yeah. Um, the resale price maintenance, um, that's where you can't tell your customers that they can't sell a product over yeah. a certain price. You used to have that all the time when we were kids, didn't you? This is the retail price. Yes. This yeah. is what you sell. It yeah. was printed on the yeah, packaging. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's now recommended retail price, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. yeah. But you can undercut. If I, if, I want to, if I want to sell a packet of Jaffa Cakes for... 25p when they're supposed to sell for 55p then that's entirely up to me so how can you tell if your business is at risk i don't know i was going to say the way you look at you look terrified <laughs> not that i go around having these sort of conversations but i'm sort of thinking well how many you people have to are? audit your behavior now just I to know. check yeah so um it's good to go and have a look again we mentioned this website but it is really well written um few pages here and it says um how to work out if your business is at risk so you're more likely to be at risk 
if you or your employees have contact with your competitors, for example, at conferences yeah. and trade association meetings, your employees regularly move to or from jobs with your competitors, you have partnerships with your competitors, for example, joint buying or selling agreements, you have long-term exclusive contracts with any of your customers or suppliers, or your business has a dominant position in any market where you do business, because obviously taking advantage of a dominant position, we haven't discussed that, but that also is not allowed. And it recommends that you write policies, guidelines, and do some training. And there are some links to um, further guidance from the Competition and Markets Authority on the website. So Heather, you'll put a link for that, will yeah. you, on our blog? Yes, I will. And I'll be and reading read it, it. <laughs> in case I... In, in case I've ever done anything illegal, I, I couldn't... Well, then you can report a cartel. Okay. So if you believe that there is a cartel where two or more businesses are agreeing not to compete with each other, then there is a CMA cartels hotline. And you can find those details on the website. Don't have nightmares, everybody. <laughs> Let's move on to something a bit more jolly, shall we? We went to research some apps this week. And um, I don't know about you, Heather. I, I wasn't particularly bowled over with my app, but, um, my app use. What about you? Well, we were looking specifically at, like, presentation yeah. apps, weren't we? Like yeah. Prezi and... Um, what well, the one that I had a quick look at was Haiku Deck. Yes. Because I quite like the sound of the name. Yes, me too. Haiku. But I don't really get haikus very much. You know, the actual poem. No. I'm very good at them. But I soon fell out of love with haiku when I realised that you couldn't really do very much without paying for it. Um, yeah. And I wasn't prepared to sign up for my free trial because I, I think I had to give my card, I would have to give my card details and I never do that. Yeah. Um, I, I had a look at a few of them. Um, so... And I, I downloaded about four or five and ended up deleting quite a few of them. Um, I've got a slide share, which I've, yeah. I've already seen. You know, when you're looking for some resource, you're doing a bit of yeah. research for a, a programme you're running or something, and you always come across these slide share things. And I thought, well, that might be quite interesting, but it didn't really need to be an app from my point of view. And I went to Canva as well, because I've used Canva quite a few times um, I, I use Canva to create our logo. I'll be doing it again soon because, breaking news, we're going to rebrand. Look out, world. So, I've, and I've used Canva on my laptop. Maybe it's my age, but I got it on my phone. I was like, why would I do it on my phone when I can do it on my laptop? Now, I know there's some people out there that can do it. My son, my 12-year-old son, can take a video. He can edit a video. He can put captions on it. He can put the music on it and upload it to YouTube or from his phone. Mm. Meh. I'm really not bothered. My eyesight won't let me. <laughs> yeah, I need a really big phone and then I might as well just use my yeah. laptop. Yeah. yeah. And that's one of the reasons why, because I went to Canva as well, actually, and, and, and played around with uh, Canva, uh, because what I found myself doing was you'd done a screen share of, of some of the apps that we might yeah. look at. Uh, so I was Googling them because I, I just wanted to find out about them. And not and, actually get the app on your phone. Yeah, I, yeah. Didn't, I, I didn't want to do, but with, with Canva, you can use that on your um, laptop. And I had great fun playing around. Have you not used it before? Um, I think I've used it to um, make like a little flyer or something. 
but I mean, I've just realized now, why am I not making videos, you know, making a presentation, recording so that my head's in a little circle, talking people through the presentation? Why have I not been doing that for the last goodness knows how long? Slap on the wrist for myself. Oh, she really did slap herself as well. That's serious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think on there as well, if, you, if you've got a social media presence, why aren't you using it for templates yeah. for Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, I don't know. everything really, because it's it's all laid out. And there's quite a lot of free stuff as well. Yeah. When I did our logos and also when I was doing the brass show on the radio, um, I, I was doing too many things that I, I actually ended up buying some of the pictures, but that's fine. I didn't enter into an expensive subscription, but every so often I would buy an upgrade or, or, or pay for a picture. Well, you know, if you want free pictures, you go to pexels.com. And uh, if you want to, if you want to see the quality of the images, then go to our website, which is the business.community. Um, because there's free images on there and you, they just ask, sometimes you can buy them a coffee or you can just let them know how you've used the image. So you, don't you get some cracking images on our blog, don't you? Yeah. Do go take a look, everybody. They that's... are, yeah. There's so much on there. So you don't need to pay for images on Canva. Oh, okay. So that's a double whammy there now. Oh, excellent. But it's it's got so many useful templates on there. And if you're even thinking of doing the logo, it's got starter logos that you can sort of edit colours and placements and things just as a, you know, obviously it's not proper graphic designed logo, but it's better than something you could knock up in Word. Yeah. And like infographics, you know, Brilliant. all over. I love infographics. Yeah. That, that's, yeah. So just being able to... If you're looking at a blank piece of paper and thinking, right, how do I create an infographic? It's like, oh, crikey, because there's so many possible options. Whereas if you can look and then tweak. Yeah, you use one. it as a template, really, yeah. and then yeah. and just pull it in. I, I've done that quite a few times, actually. Um, and I do love a good infographic template. I mean, that that's a whole other subject, because whenever I'm on social media, I'm, I clearly look at these things too much because my timeline's full of adverts trying to sell me infographics. Well, yeah, well, and, and the thing is, they, they, for me, again, like you were saying about SlideShare, um, I mean, very often, you know, you'll find, a, you'll find some information on SlideShare and you look at the presentation, anybody who doesn't know, essentially, um, people upload their presentations and for sharing yeah um and you you know you can they might have some statistics or they might have something you know that you think is particularly interesting but generally speaking the slides are so boring yeah that it's actually only the content that i'm interested in and then i'll you don't you want know, to pinch the slide no time. never never although you could potentially download the whole deck if you wanted to uh, and they have a bit of that on, on canva they mm. have the whole deck that you could then work with i'd be much more likely to go oh i like the look and feel of that and yeah, particularly, editing. say for example, if you're doing something as old-fashioned as PowerPoint, I mean, I know there are, especially having looked at these apps, there are way more modern ways to, to actually mm. do your presentations. But I think probably the worst thing is if you are doing a PowerPoint presentation is use one of the standard templates because everybody's seen them all. Absolutely. Yeah, if you want to stand out, you don't pick one of the standard templates from PowerPoint. No, and as you might imagine, I have, I mean, I do use PowerPoint. But I put very little on my slides because I work on the basis that either give handouts at the end or send additional information at the end. But actually, very often, and we've all seen it, people use the slides as their notes. Well, it's yeah, like, no. I hate that. <laughs> I really... Well, 
in, in, where I work, actually, they, they use PowerPoint very differently. And most reports are done just as PowerPoint presentations, which is fine. But, you know, please don't ever present that to me. Well, we, we've looked at the, the books, haven't we, how to do a TED Talk. How many slides are used in TED Talks? Mm-hmm. They're big images, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. And, uh, you know, how to do a presentation for something like a TED Talk is to use just an, a big image that fills the screen yeah. and then you talk around Absolutely. that. Because people will remember the image and what you said rather than reading the words that yeah. are just and up if, on the screen. And if you've got people who do need that additional information, then I always say I will send the slides to you with my notes, yeah. which might actually have you know some of the quotes or the stats or whatever it might be, and additional support and documentation. But, yeah, I don't want to read. Because you might as well say, read that, and then if you've got any questions, Come I'll be sitting in me. the corner. Yeah. And in reality, I think that's what happens, is it? If you put that up, the people aren't with you. They're not listening to you. They're reading what's on there and then potentially forming a question that they're going to ask you. They've probably glazed over because they're waiting for you to finish so they can ask the question. Or they jump in and they ask the question and then you say, I'm just coming to that. (laughs) (laughs) It's on the next slide. Now read that. So um, we didn't get terribly far then looking at that those presentation apps, but highly recommending Canva and we're both Luddites really, um, recommending Canva on the, on the desktop as opposed to the mobile app yeah. maybe. That, if you're working on the go, I mean, I, some people can do that. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> probably... Uh, yeah. I sound like a little old lady now. Probably, yes. <laughs> I can't believe I can't just write it down and, and fax it to somebody. <laughs> your presentation Put it on an overhead project. <laughs> where's the red pen um but but just um just on that um oh i forgot what i was going to say now oh no no <laughs> just I, proving you're a little i know no, no 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 i was thinking about um prezi for example yeah so i remember doing some work a few years ago with uh, young enterprise where students had to do presentations um and I used to sit and give them feedback. They do a practice run. I give them feedback, and Prezi was the thing of the moment because you could you could pan out and then pan back in at another thing, and it was all like you know you get yeah. seasick watching it, and it it was just too much then because actually the content is lost. It's 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 too much happening. It's like with you know PowerPoint, if yeah. you've got sliding in and tiles and spinning and shroom and all of that. It's like no, let's just. And I, I I do refer us back to a TED talk. Yeah, a good talk, well delivered with few big images behind, yeah. if any. Yeah, if you can't keep people engaged with the tone of your voice. Yeah, and... if people are sat looking, going, "This is an ama- this is amazing software." Unless you're selling software, it's really disappointing. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, although for the software sellers out there, maybe that's what they want to do. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so hey, as if we planned this, Heather. Who are we profiling today? We're only profiling the CEO and co-founder of Canva. Yay! I know. I know. I don't know how we did it. Were you going to give me a high five then? No, no, I was, it, it was, it was more a, I don't know, we're amazing, I don't okay, know how we've okay, done this. Fair but, um, so she's an Australian tech entrepreneur, 
She is the Chief Executive Officer and Co-Founder of Canva. The thing that stood out for me is flipping kite surfing. Yeah. How, how to get ahead in business. Go kite surfing. It's not somebody, for everyone, is it? No, but meet somebody rich. And that's the thing is that I remember um, a few years ago, a, a, a friend of mine said that um, one of the hobbies that you can go and meet sort of rich people at is, I think it was karting. She said, so if your kids get into karting, you tend to find that there's a better class of person to visit karting. And I thought maybe you pick your hobbies depending on, you know, the the type of business person that also has that hobby. Used to say the same about golf, didn't they? But now clearly it's kind of a bit beyond. Am I too old to learn polo? Because I haven't yet learned (laughs) how to ride a horse. Never mind (laughs) polo. Well, Heather, you're never too late, but I think check, check your life insurance policy. <laughs> Can I just say, so this lady, we should give her a name check. Her name yes, is Mel- sorry. Melanie Perkins. Um, her story is really interesting, but can I just say one thing that I've never come across before, and I don't know if it's because I don't hang out on Wikipedia enough. The first thing I did was type in her name, yeah. as you would expect, and Wikipedia was the first entry that was returned. So up comes the page about her, and then it says across the top, this article may have been created or edited in return for undisclosed payments. Um, a violation of Wikipedia's terms of use. It may, be, it may require clean-up to comply with Wikipedia's content policies, particularly neutral point of view. A major contributor to this article appears to have a close connection with its subject. It may require clean-up to comply with Wikipedia's content policies. And I've never had that before, have you? No, no. I can sort of see the point of it, but is it because somebody that works for the company wrote the article and submitted it to Wikipedia? I imagine in this situation, given who she is... You can't write your own Wikipedia page, that's essentially it. You can't get your boyfriend, your girlfriend or... Uh, or your, your best friend to <laughs> say how lovely you are. Yeah, amazing, says Tracy's mum. <laughs> yeah, but but I just, I've never seen that before. Okay. Um, anyway, she's Australian, as we've ascertained, and she's very rich. Yes, um, so she's um, born in Australia, and um, she's the daughter of an Australian-born teacher and a Malaysian engineer of Filipino and Sri Lankan descent. And uh, she was going to become a professional figure skater, apparently, but didn't like the getting up at 4.30 to train. (laughs) And she started her first business, as we often see this, don't we, with the entrepreneurs and the people who've made it big. They started the business quite early on, um, and she was selling scarves at shops and markets in Perth. Um, And she she reckons that was... um, the start of her entrepreneurial drive and the excitement from building a business just at a tender age of, uh, was it 14, 14, yes, yeah. And clearly she didn't go from 14 to being the second richest woman in Australia in 16 years, from scarves to Canva. No. There, there There was a big business in between times that kind of, it seems, was born almost by accident but then uh, then grew yeah i think some of the best ideas are ones that are, are dealing with a frustration that you personally have and this one was uh, familiar to um, to many people no doubt of, of our age certainly and, and clearly younger because she's 
quite a bit younger than us, Heather. But is the um the availability of decent software that enabled you to put pictures into things. I mean, even now, gotta say, putting a picture into Word is a complete nightmare, isn't it? Trying to edit anything with an image in Word, oh, I just dread it because you you actual text going to jump around somewhere yeah. has it gone it's gone to the top it's gone to the bottom and so um that she started with her now husband they recently married um this company called fusion books which was focusing on drag and drop tool for making student yearbooks it's a big thing in a, in well it's a big thing in america i guess it is in australia we as don't. well is it we didn't used to really do it. I don't either. know if they do now, but no, no. We, we used to just have like a, a whole of year photo and it was like, Do you want a copy of that? No thanks. Sign your shirt on the last yeah, day. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But um they set that up in two thousand and seven and it just grew and grew and grew because it was easy to use, um, quite formulaic. It clearly worked, produced a nice quality product. So And the new customers every year. Yeah. That's quite important, yes. isn't it? Yeah. It yeah. expanded then from Australia into France and New Zealand. But then Canva came along. Um, it wasn't an early easy start either because I think they struggled initially to get investors. And that's where the kite surfing comes in, I believe. And there's this the, the chance uh, meeting with... Um, angel investor whilst kite surfing yes yes yeah and 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 that was where she um yeah she got that initial that initial funding is the guy's name bill ty that's what i've got yes yeah yeah Yeah, that was in 2011 so this is four years after she set up fusion books um and uh, he had come to perth to judge some sort of competition and they pitched their idea for Canva to him over dinner, uh, and I, you know, I, I kind of imagine that uh, that was the start of a, a friendship. Yeah. Um, he must have, like a dragon, I suppose. He must have thought, "Oh, this sounds good." Yeah. If, but I don't know how to do it, so let's get these kids to do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that's us, isn't it? Yeah, that's us. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So she, she is, um, she. She's a, a, a uni- the CEO of one of the few unicorn startups, and we've talked about those before, haven't we? In fact, we talked about one uh, last week or the week before with um, whoever it was we talked about two weeks ago. <laughs> memory of a goldfish. Yeah, memory of a middle-aged lady. Yeah, don't talk to me about what happened two weeks ago. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Yeah, so if you look at the um, the Canva website itself, it's canva.com, they've got a little bit of um, a potted history there, which is pretty much what, we're, uh, what we've talked about. And um, apparently Fusion Books is still going strong as well as Canva now. So they're still doing yearbooks. And, um, they, you know, the, the fact that that technology has then moved into Canva is probably what's partly made of one of the richest women in Australia, is that right? Yeah, it, it is. But also, I think, um, you know, working a woman working in tech, which is, you know, what she was, um, she very much uh, recognises that, you know, that was quite unusual, quite unique. So within her business, they have all sorts of policies about... So I think they've got 41% female representation at the moment. They have policies about... Um, uh, 
unconscious bias in the recruitment process, um, positive discrimination. And when she was asked about um, gender in the media that she works in, she said, I, I'm not really interested in making comment, to be honest, because I, in some respects, I can't control that because it's sort of died in the wall a little bit and it's going to take yeah. a long time. It's like turning a ship round, isn't it? Yeah. But, um, but, but she's doing her bit, uh, which I think is, is amazing. So, yeah, she was... In 2020, she was um, one of the world's top under 30 of the decade and she was the second richest woman in Australia in... I can't remember what year that was. But on the 2021 rich list, they're the 10th wealthiest Australians as a couple. Okay. Well, do you want to know how she starts her day according to Inc.com? Go on. Uh, she likes to start the day on Twitter. Okay. I, I, I don't know if that is true or not, but that's certainly one of the 10 facts that Inc.com have got. Um, while most believe morning shouldn't be for social media, apparently she disagrees. Um, for her, logging on to Twitter along with journaling is what jumpstarts her day. She loves reading tweets from the Canva community and she's just started using a five-minute journal where you an write answers to questions such as, I'm grateful for... And what would make today great? Oh, we've talked about journaling before, haven't we? Never, you know, never really got into it, though. We we tried the bullet journal, didn't we? And yeah. I bought all the pens, which was which yeah. was a good perk because I ended up buying all the pens and all the stationery, yeah. but not actually having to do the bullet journal. No, no. But every time we talk about it, I think I really should do that. But I don't think I'll be doing it in the morning. I think it's something I'd need to do at night. First, I, I've got to admit, I do look at social media in the morning while I'm having a cup of coffee. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Just, well, to see what's going on in the world. Um, see what's happened overnight, if there's anything amazing. Um, and to see, see which of my posts from the previous day anybody's liked or commented on. <laughs> while I've been asleep. <laughs> Doesn't take long. Yeah, so, I mean, there, there aren't the other facts. Uh, if, oh, sorry, this sounds a little bit rude, but the other facts are fairly pedestrian, like uh, Australia is still home. Well, why wouldn't it be? Yeah. Um, and that um, she likes to set time aside for herself, which is very good. So she likes to go away on holidays and away for the weekend or the week, which is very refreshing. But yeah, yeah. no shit. She yeah. yeah, who doesn't? <laughs> yeah. Um, and... Uh, and she does confirm that everybody struggles in the beginning. That is true. You know, very few people are instant success in business. And uh, every single person is going through their own issues. So, I think the thing is, with all the success that she's had with the business, she's she's not standing still. You know, she's, she's looking at expanding and developing. I think in 2019, um, they, uh, the business was valued at $3.2 billion dollars. Um, they have a 700 staff across Sydney, Beijing and Manila. And um, she's taking on the big boys. They, they're basically saying, look, the next stage is to take on the tech giants of this world, Microsoft, etc. And she says she's up for it because 85% of the Fortune 500 companies are using Canva. Yeah. So Little Old Salt Solutions Limited should be using it as well. Yeah, I think you will be, won't you? You'll get hooked, Heather. <laughs> You can disappear for hours messing around with images on Canva. Be warned. Set an alarm. 
go up for air and yeah, food. Yeah, know when to stop. That's important, <laughs> know when to stop. That's all we've got time for this week on The Business Community. If you've enjoyed listening to this week's podcast, you can find out about all the things that we've talked about over the years at our website, which is thebusiness.community. We do hope you'll join us again next week for more news, views and reviews from the world of business. Bye.